Good job. And with that, <clears throat> let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Uh, I think Melinda hit the nail on the head. Um, it is evident that you're already at work in this place. And Lord, as we move to kind of this portion of our, our morning worship service, uh, we just want you to know that, that uh, we love you. We long for your instruction and your guidance in our lives. And so, Lord, like we always say, we open up your word, we open up our hearts, and we ask that you would implant your living word just in our hearts, Lord. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Morning. Well, we're moving into the, the, uh, the grand finale of Philippians, where where firecrackers are going off big and fast and kind of one after another. So before we get into um, our new portion this week, um, just to bring us up to speed in case you missed last week, we talked last week about, uh, the title of last week's message was Help I've Misplaced My Confidence. And it's a double meaning because sometimes we notice that in our lives we put our confidence in the wrong things. Uh, sometimes it's even in people that turn out that, that aren't good for our spiritual growth. We, we misplace confidence. And sometimes when we are hurt, maybe it's because you've put your confidence in a wrong person or situation and then you get hurt by that and then afterwards you can't find your confidence it's like it's lost help I've misplaced my confidence where did it go Paul was reminding us last week that rightly placed confidence is always in Jesus we can put our confidence in him it's our trust our hope we are anchored to his promises we can put our confidence in him for eternal life you can bet on it if you place your life in Jesus' hands, it's not, it's an, I want to say, you don't have to worry about that. That's taken care of. Rightly placed confidence in Jesus lets you know that when God forgives, he forgives forever and for good. We can be confident that God is making us new. We can be confident that God is giving us strength in hardships. The Holy Spirit through Paul shows us that even in jail, on false charges, hundreds of miles away from his friends and his families, whatever you're going through or I'm going through or what Paul was going through, we can be confident that Jesus has with him peace for us. It's important because he ends last week by saying, by last week saying, one thing I do when my confidence is out the, the window or when I'm struggling through life, he's like, one thing I do. He says, I press on. I move on. I got to move forward. Failure and fear and all these things want us to take us backwards and live in the past. Paul says, for him, he's like, what I do 
I press on. Now this week, we're going to look at a way in which he presses on. This week, we're going to talk about prayer. What is prayer? Well, simply put, prayer is communicating with God. It's just communicating with God. Prayer is our vehicle of connection. It can be through words, and we're going to look at that. It can be through thoughts. It can be through singing. After that, that, that song was a prayer. God, your will, your way, do whatever you want. Come invade my heart, like take over. That's a prayer. That's a supplication, actually. All through, through Philippians, the title of the series is Jesus is our refuge, meaning he is our home. He is our safe place. Prayer is the pathway home. It's the road we take. You can pray. This is, this, you know, it's so rad. If you have kids here with you today, they're in the back with our bridge kids, and I promise you they will talk about this today. They will talk about what is prayer. They'll say, it's talking to God. The kids will yell. Then Steph will go, do you need to close your eyes? And what will the kids say, Ollie? No. Do you need to fold your hands? No. You can talk your prayers. You can pray on your knees. You can pray on your feet. You can pray with others. You can pray by yourself. You can pray in your thoughts. You can pray in your words. You can have long prayers, short prayers. But simply put, prayer is just communicating with God. A couple of things about what prayer is before we get into Paul's specifics on mm, what to pray, maybe. First thing is this, prayer is powerful. I know prayer is powerful, and we know prayer is powerful because it's the only thing, the most, the biggest thing that the devil doesn't want you to do. He doesn't care if you go to work and do a good job. He doesn't he care. He's not pushing against those things. You know what he's pushing against? For you to not talk to God. For you to not bring your life to the Lord. For you to not ask God to intervene. All he wants you to do is do it on your own. Prayer is powerful. That's why in James chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other. You know what the unspoken thing is there? That you're in a safe place where you can talk about who you really are. Because let me tell you, the last thing most people do is confess their sins to another person. Why? Because that person will judge you. That person may not be safe in your life. So if you're in a place if, where you're like, I can't bring who I really am into this situation, maybe you should switch places. Therefore, confess your sin to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Prayer is powerful. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. A righteous person means a person with right standing with God. Their confidence is in the right place. It's not in their self. It's not in another person. It's in God. That means righteous. It's standing rightly before the Lord. God is in his proper place. You're in your proper place. Verse 17, Elijah was a human being just like us. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced 
its crops. Rad story about Elijah, an example for us. You can go back and read about it in 2 Kings, I think. Prayer is powerful. We are strengthened by it. We are healed by it. It causes us to see things clearly. Sometimes it causes us not to see clearly in a circumstance, but clearly inside of ourselves. You know when you have a hard situation and you pray and the thing that you keep coming away with is that you're harboring bitterness and you're like, I wasn't praying about me, Lord. I was praying about that. But he just wants to show you clearly through a powerful prayer that there's stuff that you need to see in your own heart. So we're strengthened by it. We're healed. Not because we get good at praying after you being a Christian for a while. Oh, teach me how to do that. I want to do some cool stuff in my prayers. We don't get good at praying and therefore our prayers start working. The reason prayers are powerful is because it is the space that God meets us. The space of prayer. It's the invitation for God of the universe to like step into your world. God meets us in our prayers and prayers are powerful because God responds to our prayers. I heard it said and I like it so I wrote it down. Prayer changes things, mainly me. So prayer is powerful. Second thing, prayer is, is more practiced than taught. Like you could teach a whole series about prayer and what it is, how you do it, what it's for. You know, it's the only thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them. They weren't like, hey, teach us how to heal. Hey, teach us how to cast out demons. Hey, teach us how to preach the gospel. Hey, teach us how to this, that, or the other. But they, when they saw Jesus praying, they came and they said, teach us how to do that. That's where we get the example model prayer and the Lord's prayer when Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Then he gives them a template. It's more practiced than taught. So you can say the, excuse me, the Lord's prayer every time if you want to. I'm not anti the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is, is rad. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Then in subtitles in one of the Gospels, it says, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amazing prayer. It's also a model that you can say, Father, who art in heaven, God, you are bigger than my circumstances. It's more practiced than taught. You know, there's so many things in life that you, can, that you have to learn by doing. You can read about it. You can go to school for it, but you learn to do it by doing it. Should I give some examples? Riding a bicycle. You can learn about it by reading it, but you get better at it by doing it. Fishing. This is just coming to off the top of my head. You can probably tell. 
learn by feel, driving. I heard a pastor say one time, this pastor I used to listen to, he was like, you can tell me all about your, what you've learned about driving through reading. He called it your knobology. How you turn this knob this much and you move this this much. And he goes, but can you get in the car and jam the gears and get it down the road? Being a Christian, we learn by doing. You know, I was talking to, I feel like it was Anna, might have been someone else, but we talked about preaching. We were talking about what it is to stand up and proclaim God's word in front of other people because you can go to school for it, you can learn about it. And she said to me, it seems like it's, it's, uh, it's like playing music in public. You learn to do it by doing it. Prayer is like that. We grow into it. Prayer is more practice than taught. Prayer is crucial for a Christian because it is the place that God meets us. God meets us in our prayers. And like I said before, prayer is contested. Prayer can be hard. You ever notice that? Ever feel like times where you don't feel like praying? I'll be honest, I do. Those are the times where we say stuff like, oh, I'll pray for you. But us saying, I'll pray for you, it kind of becomes a substitute for praying for you. Or I'll pray about that, kind of becomes a substitute for praying about that. So because praying is hard, because it is contested, it's the one thing in your life one of the things in your life, you actually have someone trying to prevent you from doing it. The devil doesn't want you to do it. I love, I'm into like leadership stuff and reading books and podcasts, and I love this quote uh, by Craig Rochelle, actually. It's a, this is about leadership, and I'll tie it into prayer, but he says this. Leaders, good leaders do things consistently what others do periodically. Good leaders do things consistently what other people do periodically. Philippians is all about contentment, joy, rest. I would say this. I would take that same saying and move it toward prayer. People who in your life that exhibit traits that you want to have in yours, people in their life who exhibit peace, and contentment, do things consistently that others just do occasionally. So today we're going to look at Paul's teaching to the Philippians on prayer. Title of the message today is How to Pray Through Hardship and Worry. Because I think he gives us a couple of specifics. This isn't how to pray all the time in every situation, but we're going to look through Relational hardships and worry. Let's look at our verses again in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntake. Great job pronouncing those, by the way, Tom. He nailed it. 
To be of the same mind, again, this theme of unity, the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Here's something we don't know. What was the issue between Euodia and Syntake? What was the issue between them? We don't know what it was. I think it's on purpose. Because then we could make that their problem and not just see that there was a problem. It was evidently, it was enough to spur writing a letter and as he was bringing it into the final finale, the grand finale, and talked about the power of unity, the power of partnership, the power of chains, all the things we've been looking at, then he brings it in and gives two names, and he's like, yo, make sure, like, those two get this. That's my family right there. I care for them. Don't let this tear them apart. It evidently was tearing their relationship apart. It was a, a source of division for them, the two women, and for the church. So I don't know what the issue is, but I do know this. If there is one thing that we all in this room struggle with, other than sin, it's the hardship of relationships in our lives. Anybody in here got a relationship in their life they wish was better? Don't raise your hand, because everybody's hand will go up. Actually... If, there's, if you're in here in this place and you have a relationship in your life that you wish was in a better place, raise your hand. That's because everybody does. It's an unspoken thing. In my world, when I'm talking to people, there's some unspokens. Number one, I know that this person has sin in their life. How do I know that? Because we all have sin in our life. I know that this person has a relationship in their life they wish was better. I know that this person has things about themselves they don't like. I know this person has things about themselves that they want to see. For the, These are unspokens. I put these out of the way so then when I'm walking with someone, I already, I already know these things because these things are all true. Hard relationships are super gnarly because they become a source of strain on our own well-being a parent that you feel like disapproves of you as a child, as their child. Um, a parent who feels like their kid has rejected them. A marriage that is either no longer or in real big strain. Friendships that once were. Prayer may not change the situation or change the other person, but it can change you. I want to talk about three things that prayer changes. The first one is this. Prayer changes the narrative. When we bring our hurt, when we bring our hardship, when we bring a relational thing to the Lord, God begins to do a work. He begins to move our hearts from holding a grudge to having gratitude. I don't know if you notice in this text, but there was a process that Paul says to these women. 
When our focus is on the problem, it tears us up. But when our focus is on God, it begins to build us up. Prayer changes the narrative, meaning who's telling the story. Hurt doesn't get to tell the story anymore. God begins to tell the story. One of the things that we as a culture really are going through the ringer on is generational relationships. I love the, and I'm being sarcastic, but when we hear stuff like, those millennials are just going to wreck everything. Or the new generation coming along that says, yeah, we're going to change everything because nobody got it right before us. These are, these are relational rifts. And we need, to let, we need to change the narrative. We need to let God start speaking into our relationships. Because prayer can change the narrative. Prayer can change our, second thing, prayer can change our outlook. I'm going to give a personal example about this in just a second. Look in verse 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is at hand. As God begins to do a work, it says here that the work that he begins to do is may not be in the situation, may not be in the other person, but there's a work that happens in us. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Gentleness. Translated different ways, this word in the Greek, throughout the Bible. It's also reasonableness, fair-minded. It means thinking rightly. This describes what will start to come to the surface. What is going on is what will start to be evident to others. So think about these relationships in your life. When you talk about them, when you get done talking about them, do you go and you're just like, oh my gosh, I just overshared to the max. I shouldn't have said all that stuff. Or do you say, dang, God is like changing my heart toward this. It's a good diagnostic tool. I'm going to give you guys an example just for the sake of transparency. There's a relationship in my life that was real important to me through a leader, a mentor, and it didn't end well. I was so hurt. I was so hurt that in my hurt, I probably did some hurting because that's in my nature. I talked about it a few weeks ago when that dude honked at my wife and I was ready to like do whatever I needed to do just because he honked. Pride is the, uh, humility is the antidote to pride. It's what we need. Why? Because pride is what we face all the time. And so in my hurt, the whole saying, hurt people, hurt people, I lashed back out. And for years, there was this thing going on in my heart where if I thought about something, I could feel my heart, in, my heart rate increase. Anxiety is a crazy thing. It changed my, my day. When I was little, I used to, my dad used to say stuff like, oh, my blood pressure's going up. And I was like, I don't even know what that means, but it sounds like you're mad. I was like, oh, this is why... So many people maybe are on blood pressure medication because it's just like 
Give me my pills. My blood pressure's going up. But I would feel this thing inside of me, and you know what would start to surface? Anger, bitterness, resentment. These things would come to the surface. I'm going to tell you straight up, you know what started to change all of this? Prayer. Because I wanted this person to change. I wanted what I felt like what was being said about me and this and that to not be done anymore. I wanted, an, I wanted someone to be like, yo, I'm sorry, I overreacted, I this, I that, but nothing. And then God seemed to have like the audacity to say to me, oh, your heart, it's in a bad place. So he began to do a work in me. Those first prayers, they were not eloquent. They were very raw and very short and very all that I could do was just say, God, please help. But it began to change and God began to use that in my life to help me to come to the place where I could lead others and say to them, that is going to eat you up if you don't let it go. Let me tell you the worst thing to say to someone when they are in relational turmoil. Ready? You got to let it go. You want to get someone to, to sin toward you in the moment by cussing under their breath? You just got to let it go. It's not that big of a deal. We need to take it to the Lord. Let your gentleness be what is evident to those who are around you. People will say stuff like, how did you, how are you not, how do you not hate that person? How do you move on from that? That person broke your heart. That person fired you from your job. That person said this about you. That person said that about you. We know because you told us. And now you're saying stuff like, God's got me. God must have been working that out because he said that, He's not going to bring anything to me that he won't lead me through, so God must have something better. I'm going to trust the Lord. People will flip out. They're like, how do you do that? It's because when the, the Holy Spirit is working in your life, really weird stuff starts to happen, like letting go of resentment and bitterness, moving on, letting God do something new, a gentleness, a fair-mindedness, a, a, a thing will come out and be like, oh, maybe I wasn't totally 100% only the one that was wrong. Maybe I, then we start to be like, Lord, forgive me for whatever I played in that, whatever part I played. One of the rad things that the Bible promises about when we draw near to God is that he draws near to us. We start to see things differently. I like to say, we start seeing through God's eyes. And the Holy Spirit reminds us of God's great love for us. That's where it says, let your gentleness be made known to all. The Lord is at hand. It brings thing in, things come into crazy perspective when you see through God's eyes. The last thing prayer changes so it changes the narrative. It changes our outlook. 
it changes our address. Check this out. Verse 6. So he's talking to these about these ladies, and then he brings it into verse 6. And he says this, very famous verses. Many of us have heard them. Some of us have, and it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I was reminded by someone this morning that the New Living Translation says this, Don't stress about anything, pray about everything. Do not be anxious, but in every situation, with prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present your request to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Notice that Paul didn't say, tell these two ladies to pray about it. Hey, what's going on in your life? Do you have wor worries? Do you have hardships? You should pray about it. He said, no, you should trade in your worries for worship. That's what we were doing this morning. As we're worshiping and singing these songs, I've, we were praying before service, and this is what the Lord kind of put on our hearts as we were praying. People are going to come in through these doors today, and they're going to be holding a lot of weight, worry. We want to trade, we want people to trade in worry for worship. It says, whatever you're going through, by prayer, petition, thanksgiving, present your request, and then the peace of God, which transcends all, all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. So specifically, I want to give, in this last point, a couple of things about trading in our worries for worship. I want to give specific steps we see here in the scripture that can get us there. Whether it's relational or worry, anxiety, the first thing we want to do is we want to, and you can jot this down because you're going to want to go back to this and think about it. And these are practical steps and tools that when you're facing these things, you can. First one is this, you got to speak it out. What are you worried about? What brings anxiety? Anxiety. An overwhelming feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. You put it like this. It's putting all of your emotional chips into a perceived event that may or may not happen. It's putting your whole self into something. This happens for all of us in different ways. What brings you anxiety? What are you stressed out about? What relationships are you going through? Present your heart to God. Invite God into your situation. Speak it out. Do you have to speak it out? No, but I encourage you to speak it out. Do you have to raise your hands when you worship? No, you don't. But is there something about letting your body inhabit the posture of your heart that maybe speaks to a deeper part of your spirit? Yeah. Is there a chance people can look at you and be like, man, where's the weird person? What do they think raising their hands is going to do? Who cares? It's the same thing about speaking it out. God, God, here's the deal. 
God already knows what you need before you say it, and he already knows the answer, but what he wants you to do is invite him into the place. Because sometimes, have you ever noticed, when you start to speak out your prayers, it actually, what you're really worried about, you speak it out in your prayers. You speak prophetic words over yourself. God, please, I'm really worried that I spent all this week studying on this, and then I that I'm going to say it and it's not going to make any sense or help people. Yeah, I speak that out a lot. God, I'm worried that I'm going to mess this up. God, my heart is, I, feel, I just feel hurt because of that thing that happened. We got to speak it out. The second thing he says is trade it in. Speak it out. Trade it in. Worry is a weird thing. Anxiety, weird thing. Comes out of nowhere. You don't get an email first. Just to let you know, on Thursday, this event's going to happen. Going to throw you for a loop. You should speak it out and trade it in. It comes out of nowhere. It's like you're walking along the street, and you're like, oh, what is that on the ground? That is shiny. Looks kind of cool. Oh, it's worry. I think I'll reach down and pick it up, carry it with me for a while. And then we do it again, and we do it again. Next thing you know, we're carrying all this stuff around. When you pick up worry, trade it in immediately. When you pick up stress, trade it in immediately. When you pick up anxiety, trade it in immediately. The exchange happens with prayer. I put it like this. Prayer exchanges what is in our hand for what's in God's hand. It's like, Lord, I have this. I don't think I want it. What do you got? Peace? Hope? You want to trade? The answer is yes, he does. He wants to take all of your worry, all of your shame, all of your guilt. The things that worry us the most, it says he'll take it. That's a good trade. He loses out, but he's God, and he's like, I know it looks that way, but that's not the case. That's what he wants to do. Prayer is an exchange. It takes us from where we are to where God is. God, I'm in this place. I don't want to be in this place. I always say it like this to myself. When I am worried... I'm prone to worry, by the way. There are certain things I have to give over to God. One of the steps, we'll see, is keep going and then repeat when necessary. And if you're anything like me, a human being with worries and struggles and stresses, um, we can do some of this stuff every day. Let me tell you some things I worry about. I worry about my kids. I just want the world for my kids. Like, I don't want them to get hurt. Like, physically, I don't want them to get hurt by people. I understand why people become helicopter parents, not even helicopter parents, lawnmower parents. 
Do you know the difference? Helicopter parent is like the micromanager. They like buzz over the kid's head all the time. What are you doing? Who are you calling? This and that. Lawnmower parents is the new helicopter parent. You go in front of your kid and you mow down every obstacle before they have a chance to face it because you don't want them to hurt. I got that for you. How old are you? 35. Let me pay for your cell phone bill. Actually, God bless, God bless parents for that one. We don't want our kids to hurt, so we just move stuff out of their way. I, I, I do. I worry, you know. I want them to be okay. I worry about you guys. Like, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to be the same cold, but let me tell you something. I worry about this church too much. I trade it in all the time. I'll tell you how I do it in a second. But I want to trade in my uncertainty for God's certainty. You know what I need to do more in my... What I find myself doing more and more and more is exchanging my worry for God's promises. I do that through prayer. I'm constantly talking to God about my kids, constantly talking to God about culture, constantly talking to God about you guys, constantly talking to God about the people that are going to come and will be here with us one day. I'm constantly talking to God about the people that were here and have left. I just care. turns into worry. I want to trade anxiety, stuff I don't know, for what God does know. We want, to, we want to trade what we don't know for what God does know. We trade in lies for truth. This is where speaking, this is where God's word comes in. This is where these verses like, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Make a request known to God and the peace of God which surpasses our understanding will set a guard on your heart and on your mind to not be bitter, to not be hurt, to not worry. We speak those words over ourselves. Why? That's God's promises over our uncertain situation. Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Why do we speak that over our family, over our kids? Because it's bigger than our uncertainty. This is where speaking scripture, knowing scripture, memorizing scripture, speaking it, putting it on sticky notes around the house, writing it on the tablets of your heart. This is important stuff because it's God's truth. And when we are experiencing anxiety, things we don't know, you can immediately trade that in for one of God's truths, for one of God's promises. You can trade in your grudges for gratitude. This is a hard one, but I'm going to tell you, you want to watch your life change crazy? Start thanking God for stuff when times are hard. Did you notice what it said? In everything, don't stress. Means don't let anxiety drive. Let God drive. Take your stress and trade it in with prayers. Prayers is talking to God. Supplication, request, and thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Sort of like thanksgiving is the gas in the Christian's car. It doesn't go anywhere without it. You start thanking God and you watch grudges change 
to gratitude. When you don't know what to pray, there's a situation in your life and you're like, I don't even know what to pray. Apparently prayer is good. It can bring healing, it can bring strength, but I don't know, Lord, in this one. Start thanking God for everything you can think of because it takes your mind off of the situation, the other person, the worry, and it puts it on God and it will change your life, I promise you. So much so, I know it will change your life because listen to these verses. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18 says this, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How do I know that being thankful is productive and powerful in your life? Because it's God's will for you. It doesn't say be thankful for the things that have happened to you. It says whenever you find yourself in a place, be thankful of God to God in that place. There are things that have happened to you that are brutal. There are things that that have been done to you and me and us. Let me change that. There are things that I've done that I wish I could have a redo on. That's the weird thing about life. You kind of don't get redos on certain stuff. But praise God for his grace because he says he can take, he can do redos. He's the only person who can do a redo on wasted time. He says he can restore all the years of worry, all the years that the locusts ate in your life, whether it be from sin, whether it be from whatever. God can restore time. He says he can take the years that the locusts have eaten and he can restore that. He can do redos. That's crazy. So much so he can give new life. Oh, you want to redo? Put your life into Jesus' hands and watch him make you brand new. Born again is like a rad version of saying, redo. God's got you. When you don't know what to pray, start thanking God for anything you can think of. And thanking God will change your heart like nothing else can. The last thing about prayer changes our address. Speak it out, trade it in. And I put this, keep going and keep watch. Listen to these words Jesus said. Luke chapter 9. Jesus speaking. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Those words, ask and seek and knock, not to get all technically whatever on you, but they're in the present whatever. It's the present tense. It means this. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Keep going. For everyone, Jesus spoke this. Go back and read this this week. It was such a long passage. I'm like, I don't know if I should do the whole thing. Right before this, Jesus gives a story about a neighbor who was hungry at midnight. Starts knocking on the neighbor's door. Can I have some bread? Is it bread? Oil? 
Bread and oil, let's say. What else would you need at midnight to go to bed? Tell your kids, you're not hungry. Go to sleep. Okay. That's not what happened. Knock and knock and knock. And finally, the neighbor opens the door like, what's up? Hey, sorry, cast some bread? Yes. And then Jesus goes into this and he says, he takes all this and then he brings it to us and he goes, ask. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be open. Then he says, which father among you, listen up, dads, if your son asks for a fish, instead of a fish, will give him a serpent? Dad, can I have a good thing? Oh, yeah, I got you, son. And you give him a snake, and you're like, ha, 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 I got you. <laughs> I saw a video yesterday on this kid was on a four-wheeler out in the country, and all of a sudden, this kid jumps off his four-wheeler, starts screaming at the top of his lungs, running to his mom. He's all, Bigfoot, Bigfoot, Bigfoot. And he's running, screaming, and he runs by, and he jumps in the lake. The kid was terrified, like, Sorry to laugh at him. He was terrified. And then the dad comes out of the forest in a Bigfoot costume. Oh, so good. And the mom is dying laughing. She almost falls out of her cart or whatever that she's sitting in. The brothers are making fun of him. Like, God doesn't do that. That's what I'm saying. God doesn't come running out of the woods dressed like Bigfoot just to scare the whatever out of you and make you jump into the lake. That's, that's what the Bible says. God doesn't do that. It says, which one of you, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? It's ridiculous. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It means this. God wants to take your burdens. He wants good things for you. Fear and anxiety is telling you that those things can't happen. Relational issues that are going through life tell you that it'll never be better. And God is saying, that's not what he wants for you. He wants something more. Faith is trusting, so we keep going and we keep watching because if we this thing comes up again, we trade it in again, immediately. And then we watch. We speak it out, we trade it in again, and then we keep going. We speak it out, we trade it in again, and we keep going. And over time, anybody keep a prayer journal? Me neither. But we should, because over time we look back and you're like, I can't believe that, I forgot about that. You, you, you find yourself sharing something with someone and you're like, Let's, pray, let's bring that one thing to the Lord. Can we just do that as friends? Here's what, I'm, here's what I'm hearing and you're counseling. And then as you're doing it, you're like, oh my gosh, that's what happened to me. I wish somebody would have told me that. But we're counseling someone. We forget. Look at what God has done. So let me conclude this thing. How many worries are you carrying? Because you can walk out with, just because you came to church, they don't go away. You can carry them back out with you with a side dose of, like, church. I went to church. I still messed up. Or there can be an exchange. 
It's time to trade them in. So we pray. That's the whole point of today. MC Hammer wrote a song about it. Somebody was waiting for me to go there the whole time. It goes like, you've got to pray. You've got to pray. You've got to pray just to make it today. Melinda, I heard you back there. So I don't know what you're going through, but I do know this. If you invite God in, if you speak out what you're feeling, don't worry about uh, dressing up your words for God. Um, because, he, because Jesus, who is God in his love, took on hell itself, the darkest parts of humanity, so we could just bring to him our requests. He can handle your language. He can handle your, your real, raw feelings. He already knows the state of your heart. He wants you to know that you know. He wants you to open it up so he can meet you in that place and begin to do a work. Now, I know today's message has been primarily for Christians. The peace of God. Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, prayer, supplication. This is, this is speaking to Jesus people, Jesus followers. But I want to let someone in here know that that doesn't yet know Jesus, something that we as people who do know Jesus and are walk with, walking with him are reminded of constantly. See, we all want the peace of God. Did you notice that? And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your heart and mind. We want that as people. We want the peace of God. I just want to tell you, you cannot have the peace of God without peace with God. When sin entered the world, we as human beings went to war with God in our own hearts. And it caused us to go to war with each other as people. When we have these relational things, worry comes in, strain comes in. When we said that, no, we'll rule over ourselves, we went to, when we went against God's rule, we went to war. But here's how rad God is. In our gnarliest time of war, as human beings against God or even in your own heart against other people, the Bible says in that place, God offered a peace treaty. The peace treaty is a person. It's not a religion. It's not a new moral code. It's not the Ten Commandments. It's Jesus who is a peace treaty. Having a peace treaty, and that's what Jesus said, I came to reconcile the world to the Father, is what Jesus said. To offer a peace treaty. Being, having peace with God is realizing you have been going your own way and that your way is against God's way. And accepting his offer of peace. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. Accepting his offer of peace is not just a prayer you pray. It's a new path you walk. It's a new journey, not led by you, but led by God. We speak out our problems, not to the universe. We speak out our problems, not to the 
There's many gods of our world as we speak them out to Jesus who created us, who loves us, who offers forgiveness and peace to us. And he says, in him, there's a peace that surpasses understanding that guards your heart and guards your mind as we move forward, that transforms us, doesn't just curb our behavior or direction. So I just want to encourage, if that is speaking to someone this morning, it's time to let your guard down to the Lord. Ask him to put his heart in your chest. Let his thoughts be your thoughts. Let his path be your path. For the rest of us, let's keep going. Don't ever be too proud to name that you got stuff going on and don't ever be too proud to trade in that stuff to the Lord for his truth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this place. I'm so pumped on this church. Thinking about two years now that we've been in this building, that we can come every week and we can just be together and worship you and open your word. What a blessing. Lord, I pray for anyone in this room that is trying to figure out if they believe this stuff. They're trying to figure out if this is real or if this is just people in a room, you know, doing Christian-y things. I pray, Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that you would speak to that person right in their place and you would let them know, yeah, you're real. You know them, you know their lot in life, you know every day that is written for them because you wrote those days. That person is fearfully and wonderfully made. They may not feel like it, but I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would let them know just how much you love them. And it says, Lord, in your word that it's your love and your kindness that draws us to repentance. It's not that when we're guilted from our past, it's that when we're moved by your goodness and your love. So if there's anyone out here today that is just for the first time being moved by God's goodness and his love towards you, don't walk away from it. Just step to it. Step toward him. And for any of us that have been spoken to today about things in our life that we know it's time to let it go, may this song just minister to you. And may you know that you don't have to hold it anymore. All you got to do is give it over. Lord, we thank you for today and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.